0: Folks, I'm so excited for another edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Koval. In the building, squad is is deep. We have uh, Max's snack tour, Mercedes Zapata, who is uh, on social media as we speak, because she really is on her grizzly, as they say, the official photographer. DJ Casera has set us up to succeed, is also in the building, sticking with us uh, through the whole time. Um, she's not, she, you know, usually Casera has, she's got a DJ, like a senior citizen event, she has to save a, uh, a a basket of new birds uh, who are about to be thrown off a cliff. Uh, and then she's also, you know, rebuilding a house and uh, caring for, uh, you know, many cr- crates of records and, and also, you know, putting new stickers on her uh, Casera mobile. But, but we have her the whole time today, which I'm excited about. And uh, we have a <laughs> beloved homie who... You know, I've known for some time, but you know, it's, it's interesting because um, I know a decent amount about, but I know you through your work and we, because we're always working and working together, mm-hmm. uh, we don't get an opportunity to sit in this uh, in this kind of format. And so it's my my pleasure, my honor to welcome uh, a choreographer, a dancer, a mentor, two thousands, someone who is, you know, responsible for so much goodness in the city of Chicago and beyond. We have Tangie Harper in the uh-huh. corner store.
1: Yay. You're welcome. What's up, Chicago? How are uh, you doing?
0: You know, Max uh, gets for our guests some uh, snacks in the corner store. So Max uh, I'm so was excited. probably going like the, you know, you were, you know, thinking about health i don't know if these are healthy per se but they have the appearance of being a healthy snack a banana chip for you the oh regal gourmet snacks do you, yes. do you rock with those i do um and in addition I, I love this actually this is the uh, honest organic honey green tea uh, oh. it's just a tad sweet they no. got sweet they got to sponsor us if i say that though i think i, I think they
1: should maybe honest ed- to God.
0: yeah well hello yeah uh Tangie, yo how long ha- how, how long has it been
1: okay um to be exact i do believe it was the year 2007 okay so we are 10 years plus yeah in it yeah we in it um we, we in it
0: you you of course you are the the creative director artistic director of the happiness club yes you uh from, from you also do a lot of other things in addition there's a uh an older crew of dancers that you also mentor and choreograph and uh, work with. What is the name of that crew?
1: So that is Blue Rhythm and that was uh, created because there's this niche of 18 to 26 that most people just forget about and assume that they should have it figured out by now when we all know that They do not, and they still need some guidance and some mentorship and some platforms to be able to expand what it is that they're trying to do. So since I didn't see any of that happening in the city of Chicago, for a lot of the people that had gone through programs like Happiness Club or gone through After School Matters, and then they turn 18 and they're sort of just like turned loose, I figured um, let's give them another space to grow a little bit more and give them some some support so that uh, adulting isn't so goddamn hard because it can be a slap in your face as soon as you graduate high school and then all these things start coming at you and everybody assumes you're supposed to have it together. When well, that's,
0: that's one the of the thing. things I love about you is that you uh, you always have – like a gaggle of young people around you and it is a squad of like very young to that you know 18 19 25 year old yeah. click to and and that you've stayed accounting for them in a maturation process from yeah. you know young adult from like you know kidhood childhood to young adulthood yeah. it's just really really powerful to see you mentor educate in that way
1: I could say the same to you. And um, and it's been it's been necessary, especially in our city, is we have a lot of teachers that are trying to do their job and they get burnt out real fast and real quick. And we got a lot of people that are a lot of adults that just do not um, they don't take responsibility for their part in, in, in how we're rearing our young people in this city. Like, I don't understand how they think kids are just supposed to figure it out. They are not. I know I didn't. I had tons of help. I had people like come along and and open doors for me and show me different aspects of like dance that I didn't know existed and different ways to make money Mm -hmm. doing my art. And and if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I wouldn't be where I am. And so I feel like it's our opportunity and our responsibility to reach back and help more young people find their footing and find their way. Um, Otherwise, what are we complaining about? What are we really complaining about?
0: Well, let's I want to I want to go into your your story because, uh, you know, you uh, I I, I don't know if you feel this way, but, you know, you are uh, it seems egoless, um, you know, and and I know that's hard. And I imagine, you know, we all struggle with these things. But but, you know, you also you, you, you spend so much time putting on so many other people. And so this is a forum to talk about you. And like where you come from and how you got put on and and put on to this work. So let's go back. I mean, you're from here.
1: I am born and raised. Yeah. Where? uh, South side of Chicago. So originally, like when I was super young, my family was in the hundreds. They was on 103rd and state. I remember going to um, one of those developmental preschools that had the big like robot looking thing standing out front. So I was like a hundred kid for a minute. And Mm -hmm. then we moved to Bronzeville. And I was in Bronzeville for a long time, right off of Forty First, Forty Second, um, right off Cottage Grove on Bowen Avenue. And I was there for a while. Then um, my parents are some really, really yeah. Who are cool they? Who, who who are your folks? My folks are Portia Harper and my dad, rest in peace, Keith Harper, who just passed in uh, June of 2019. Yeah, which was hard, 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 yes, hard, still yeah, super course, hard for me because yeah, he's the coolest man on earth. Um, but yeah, he had cancer, and he passed away. But those two were together since high school. Uh, wow. they met doing they met during drum corps. if anybody knows about drum corps, I don't know if you if you got band nerds out in the streets, but I learned about drum corps from my parents. My mom was color guard and a rifle thrower, and my dad was always a trumpet player um he was a musician, and they met, fell in love, got together, and broke up three times while I was a kid. And even got divorced while I was in high school, and then after high school they remarried and stayed married until his passing. Oh my God! So that's a hell of a story. I think yes. I had to sit down and ask them some questions one time, like, "How did y'all, how did y'all do this? Like, y'all you know, just kept getting together and breaking up and getting together and breaking up, but but eventually it stuck. And they will. They told me. That it is because they were each other's soulmates. And so even when they grew apart and there were times in their life when that happened with my dad being a diehard musician and my mom being a jack of all trades. She does everything from sew to act to to sing, to love the medical field and has been in the nursing field for a long time. They always found their way back to each other. And I find that um, hella inspiring. Not so, that I at all know what that's like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know shit about that life. But, yeah, they, they what were always supportive. What did they do when supportive. you were coming up?
0: What, what, were they, I mean, your father was playing music, your mom was, what, yeah, what were they doing? Yeah, when I was doing? super
1: little, my dad was in a cover band called The Higher Evolution of Music. T-H-E-M. Yes. Them. Wow. Them. Them. And, uh, and That's yeah, amazing. they played, they played, they played, sometimes they played background for people. So my dad has played background for Shaka, for Shaka Khan. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, he was out there. And then they used to play funk music a lot, and then they would do cover songs. So they were like the Chicago cool in the band, cool in the gang
0: love it like seriously yeah Yeah.
1: and they had big afros and parts and you know 70s terrible overalls with sparkles on them hey listen Um, you know a lot of it was a lot of funkadelic back then they they were real cool drugs were different drugs were different they were different so that was that was him for a minute and then um once my mom had me because i was the second kid i have an older sister named shelly shout out shells and then they i think he switched over to uh corporate I think he felt He's like, like, let me raise these kids, you know, yeah. like the art wasn't paying them enough. It was taking them away too much. So he went corporate on us and he started working for a company called Epstein and they helped build um, O'Hare the way it is now. And they helped build McCormick Place the wow, way it is now. Okay. So I've seen my dad oversee a lot of those plans that the new McCormick Place came into. And his name is even up there. For the people that helped build oh, that man. spot so wow that's super cool. significant yeah. significant as hell my mom also stopped the art thing and then went corporate and she got into the medical field she worked for university of chicago for 25 years wow almost 30 and and then yeah and then she retired um
0: so they made uh you know sacrifices they made you know. a lot
1: of sacrifices we were we were middle class you know middle class to poor sometimes but i could never tell I was always taken care of. I was always loved. Even when they were not together, my father was always in my life. My mother made sure of it. Um, I have a half-sister. This is one of my favorite things about my parents. I have a half-sister named April that lives in Atlanta. So one of those times my parents broke up, my dad got with another woman named Pat and had a daughter. And my mom and that woman had a conversation about how they were going to allow us to grow up together as sisters.
0: Wow. That is grown as hell. That conversation. Me? Yes. Like, yeah.
1: And then that happened. And so then my dad did not stay with that woman and got back with my mom because obviously I'm the youngest and they had me, but I grew up with my sister April in my life. This, like I would spend summers at her mom with her and her mom. And when that girl got married, when my sister got married. We were all at the wedding, and that was a hell of a story to explain. They're like, "That's your sister, and that's your sister, and that's your mom, and that's your mom, and that's your dad, and everybody's here." Everybody, and we're yeah, like, everybody's mm-hmm. cool. "Hi, guys." That's amazing. So, it yeah, is so, true. so your mom's
0: is like really a G then, She's too. A G. Yeah,
1: I was like, "Why? How did you do that?" I don't know women now that can't have grown conversations like that, that can't separate themselves from what's best for their children. And they often cut fathers out of the lives and they do all sorts of goofy things that's really ego driven and really more based on them uh, as opposed to like what your child honestly needs. So when I asked my mom, how did she do that? And she just said it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. You had a sister. What your father's decision was and what he did didn't have anything to do with you. It didn't have anything to do with April. So why would I punish you and your sister and not let you guys grow up knowing each other and loving each other?
0: damn right yeah it's beautiful that's my mom yeah no she yeah she's a real one for that's me. my yeah, mom that's beautiful so. and and you're close with uh the sisters yes yeah
1: my sister shelly lives here um and we grew up in the same house together but we could not sometimes i feel like we could not be more opposite <laughs> but she's my big sister that i lived with always in april we would see in the summers and she would come stay with us but she lives in georgia now but yeah, yeah. last time i saw her was my dad's memorial service But we now keep in touch where all of us are in the same group message. Right. My mom calls her her daughter. Like it's it's no it's not even a thought. And we're so much tighter now that he's not here because we're constantly checking on each other and constantly checking on my mom because that's a hell of a thing to lose is your best friend of the last 34 years. Yeah. So
0: well, that's beautiful
1: prayers to my mama always. Yes. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) Now. Now for you as a kid. Yes. uh, How did you start to get involved in the cultural space? Was it was it dance first or was it music or what? what, How'd you get?
1: I will go. I'm going to go with music first because it was always music in my house because my dad was a musician and I grew up listening to everything great from Stevie Wonder to Donnie Hathaway. Like I just had the best musical influences and also things like Basha and and just different music. Like my my mom and dad were jazz freaks, so I listened to a lot of different music. My dad also dug rock. So I got into Red Hot Chili Peppers even when I was in high school. I was like a little bit of a, I was a geek compared to my other sisters who were just hardcore. Southside, I was not. I was that weird kid. But I was a gymnast first. Ah, I was terrible though. Yeah? I was terrible. I couldn't do the flip-flop thing. Like, the the mechanics bother me. Like, you're supposed to keep your arms straight and not bend your arms. And I don't understand how you're supposed to do that. And they don't break when you're going backwards. So I would just hit my head every time. But I was super flexible and I was good at the floor thing. What do they call that? Yeah, Florex. Yeah, whatever you do when you're, like, running across the floor. And kind of, there's dancing in it, but you're flipping. Yeah. I was way better at the dancing part. Um, And then some woman saw my pictures of me doing gymnastics. And I was probably in sixth grade. And she said, oh, she should try dance. Like, look at her. She's super flexible. So my mom took me to a dance class, and it was a black woman teaching ballet in Hyde Park in the Del Prado on 53rd. Wow. Before it was apartments. Do you remember the teacher? Her name is Harriet. Harriet Nelson. Absolutely. I'll never forget that woman. Hmm. Because I had never seen up close and personal a black ballerina in my life. And she was gorgeous. And she was my first teacher. And I was hooked after that. I was hooked.
0: It was that class that that turned you on.
1: I went to her class and I never stopped dancing after that. Like it went from there to it it was all ballet because there was no hip hop yet. Sorry, children. (laughs) There was no hip hop. There was ballet, modern and jazz. what, 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 What years? This was, well, shit, I was 12. So we talking 80 something okay 80, yeah
0: three yeah we're we're around the same age
1: yeah I'm, i am proud 42 i yeah. will be 43 february 6th okay and we look damn good for our age so well, you look we look amazing i've right. seen some people that do not look <laughs> well
0: good. you keep you keep it very fly but
1: i, I definitely hang out with kids a lot on yes campus.
0: right that keeps you young it keeps actually you young, right you really do keep you honest yes
1: keep sure keep yeah. your heart because right. well, their bullshit meter is they at will. a
0: thousand so they they know
1: on twelve, yeah, they will catch you. Yeah, so yeah, that's so, helping.
0: So it was, so it was, um, it was ballet.
1: So it was ballet, modern, and jazz. Yes, jazz was my favorite, and my mom's was like, if you don't take ballet, you can't take jazz. So I had to stay in ballet, and um, that still, I thank her for it to this day because mm-hmm. that's where you get the majority of your strength and foundation from, even though. I will credit African dance with just as much because I feel like that, too, has been passed over as a as an authentic, real, structural sort of dance. Yeah, ballet because of white supremacy, right?
0: Like, because always, of the canon of the West. And always, the, yeah.
1: always. And I tell people that I'm like, ballet is the only form of dance that I know where you have to pull up everything, suck in everything, and pull up and think up, up, up. Everything else, culturally, is in the mm-hmm. ground. Every other style of dance, African, Indian, everything else is in the floor. And ballet is the only thing where you're just... Yeah. sucked up yeah so, other than like, like that, so you much relax. of the
0: west it's it's like it's a uh, intellectual art before it is like an art of the earth and an art of the body
1: and it is very and it's
0: disconnected from the body sometimes it like is. The, 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 some of the uh, canonical uh you know performances of the west
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like imagine um having to walk around with just like a literal stick up your ass <laughs> For the first 45 minutes of your class and that is what it feels like to stand in first position and suck your stomach in and pull all your muscles tight and then still at the same time drop your shoulders and listen to all these instructions about how to hold your body correctly in order for you to look dainty like a princess like and I don't I was never built that way so that was weird for a little while until I started noticing um Modern dance I got super into Alvin Ailey As a a choreographer And as a dance company Because it was Predominantly black people Dancing And even though Going from grammar school Where it was like To be made fun of To be a dancer Because you're a kid And nobody knows Like no one knows That that young That they know That's what they want to do But I was one of those kids That was like I'm in dance class Every day after school So people try to pick on you For that shit Ha ha Laughs on y'all now Right
0: (laughs) I'm still doing it. <laughs> and w- but it
1: switched. Where did you go to high school? Chicago Academy for the Arts. Oh, yes. Which is weird and fun because this is the start of how I got to you.
0: Yeah. No, right. Well, in a very real in way. In a very
1: real way. I auditioned for that school at 13. And I got in. And I was the only black person that got into the dance department that year. And it was due to a scholarship that Joyce Sloan created. And that's his auntie. Right. Fam. So because of your aunt, I was able to go to that school and change my life. Like if I didn't go to the academy, I don't I again wouldn't be here, wouldn't be sitting here, wouldn't be the person that I am. That place changed my life. Every other kid that I knew was going to like Hyde Park Career Academy or or CVS or somewhere that had metal detectors when you walked in. And I did not have that experience at all. Right. I didn't have I don't have that clicky high school experience where people are worried about what they're talking about i went to school with people. you went
0: to a conservatory i
1: went to a conservatory <laughs> For real, right
0: like that's what it is that's I went the to,
1: and when i got there i was i was enthralled with all these young people who knew what they wanted mm. at 14 and 15 like bomb ass artists like they were already incredible actors incredible writers incredible Musicians. visual artists yeah yes these people were smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee already <laughs> On the grassy knoll. I was like, this is the shit. Like, y'all are grown already. It was the greatest thing ever. Like, that school, I didn't want to leave and go home freshman year. I just wanted to sleep there.
0: Now, that's the vibe. The, the, this is when the, the academy was on Chicago Ave?
1: Yeah. It yeah. still is. Still it. is. Yeah, it okay. still is. All right. So I was, I was not the area of the, when it was on Adams. I remember that, okay. those stories, it was a lot smaller. But this is Chicago and Milwaukee. Yeah, 1010, West Chicago Avenue, I think is the address still. Right. Okay,
0: wow, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, You got well of course yeah and of course I mean cuz my and you you knew my aunt?
1: I'd met her several times because of the benefit before she passed. Right. Okay. She used to sit front and center every time. Right. And so I you know I knew her and then I had to tell her that story. The first time I met her, I was like, you don't even know this, but I would not have gone to the school that I went to. I wouldn't have graduated from that school if it was not for the scholarship that you created, because it was it's super expensive now. But even then, it was seven thousand dollars a year to go to that school. Yeah. I had that kind of goddamn money. Yeah. At all. So that first year was paid for. All I had to pay for was my books. And then the second year, they rarely give it to the same person because they're trying to bring in more people. And so the second year, another person got it, but she still gave me a partial scholarship. They were not going to let me fail in that school. Like, no one was going to let me fail. Not the dean, like, none of them. Even junior year when I thought I knew my shit and I, you know, now I'm special and I don't got to be here. I'm a ditch. You know, like, I think I'm special. I had the dean pull up on me outside. He was like, get your ass in this car. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Mm-mm. Get your ass in this car. Don't make me call your mother. I'll call your mother. So when he called my mom and told my mom (laughs) that I ditched and he saw me like during one of the periods I was supposed to be in class, my mother came up there and threatened to take me out of there and put me in King High School. But this was before King was the the art prep school that it is now. This is when King was like, they would beat my ass because my hair was decent or long or I was cute or whatever. It was different. It was different than used to get beat up for minimal things. Yeah,
0: well, the city was a little different then too. It was right, Right.
1: and that was a real threat. And I took her seriously. I
0: was like, "No, thanks, I'm good." Even art at that time was not as kind of widely accepted. Culture at at that time was not as widely so. You were a weird kid if you were into art. Yeah, and
1: then I then I went to school with predominantly white kids. Yeah, and so now I have white friends, and I'm not afraid to bring my white friends to Bronzeville. So I got white girls named Kate Hintz coming to visit me. Down the block, and I'm letting the dudes know, "Hey, oh, it's a white girl coming. Don't bother her. Just send her to the house. You know where to send her." And they wouldn't. They were. They protected them all.
0: So, what was that like being between multiple worlds in such a small city that has so many different micro worlds in it? But particularly going to a place like you know the academy mm-hmm. uh, on the north side, and then living and going home to Bronzeville, having friends in Bronzeville, also even like the culture of the academy was not necessarily like functified right there wasn't yeah uh,
1: like when i say i was the only black person in that dance department my freshman year it was just me right so that was very weird but that's one of those things that i feel like a lot of people don't don't even think about the fact that that i have to adjust to being the only black person in this room or The 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 minuscule amount of us that were in the entire school and the whole school only had 150 people in it. But the percentage of black people that went there was like three percent. Yeah. So we gravitate towards each other, obviously. But it was also great and welcoming to be able to talk to anybody, because like I said, it was very people had their friends. But it was very unclicky. Like I could I could navigate with anyone and talk to anybody. The code switching, though, became necessary in traveling. So going to school, I had to take two trains and a bus to get to the academy because I lived on 41st. So I was, taking that, I was taking the green line and then switching over to the blue line. And sometimes I would walk to the train, but there were times where it's cold or it's just too dangerous and I have to take the bus. Because school for us was 8.30 in the morning until 4.30 or until 6 if you were about to perform and you were getting ready for a show. So it's dark. Obviously, like right now, it's already dark. And I got to travel from Chicago Avenue back to the south side. And the hardest part would always be the switch back to the neighborhood. The switch going into to it is not as hard. It's just like waking up and then you get to school and you're like, all right, it, I'm fine. I'm at school. The, the hard switch was going back, leaving friends that I knew had money. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to school with people who just wear Jabot's and, and Doc Martens every day. And they got them in every color. And you know what I mean? Like, and they, and this is just how they live. And it's fine. We had off campus lunch. No problem. Like the life was decent. And then I would have to go back home and then realize, right, you live here. This is where you live. You live in Bronzeville. You got to keep your wits about you when you're walking from the train to the house. Um, I had altercations sometimes where I started carrying a combination lock on my keys, Mm. and I would walk like that And just in case. I had to swing on somebody. I had to be ready at any moment. And I'm glad cell phones weren't around then because I probably got my ass whooped not paying attention, which is what I talk to kids about now. Like I know that thing's in your hand, but I need you to look up Mm. and look around. I need you to give some people some eye contact sometimes so that nobody just – snatches you or you know things that you just out here like you can't you have to look around in chicago you got to pay attention no, that's so right. that would be the hardest part is like going from from that life and feeling that free and that creative all all day long and then have to go back home and feel kind of caged or like you know i am i no longer can speak properly in front of you because you feel like i'm talking white i used to hate that
0: so how do you how do you reconcile that as a as a young person? That's that that must be such a difficult uh you know difficult myriad of spaces to be pulled between.
1: It was hard, but it was also for me I felt like it was it was necessary. I didn't want to be where everybody else was. I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. I didn't want my life to go the way I saw everybody else's life was going, so I felt I felt confident that if I walked through these doors, if I go a different route, that some different shit would happen for me. Right. And I wasn't wrong about that in any way. So a lot of it is, you know, having tough skin. Like, kids call me ballerina girl for a real long time, and if that's the best you can come up with to right. insult There's worse me, things. There's like, worse you, things. yeah, you yeah. could have really picked on me, but ballerina girl was the best they could come up with, and I got called that all through grammar school. High school, I didn't get picked on about anything, because I went to school with other artists. Right. So that space for me was just, like, so much Better, I was so encouraged. When I went back to the neighborhood, I didn't get picked on about dancing because now in high school, it wasn't weird. It was kind of like I was mysterious. I was like I was like that exotic chick from the ghetto. Like nobody, nobody knew what to think about me. I didn't even seem from there. Even now, when I go to different neighborhoods on the south side, I get asked like, you ain't from over here, are you? You're not from around here. I'm like, what you mean? I'm from Chicago. Right. Yeah, but you're not like from Inglewood, though. Like, no, I'm not from Inglewood. I've lived in Inglewood, but I'm not from here. But I have that, I don't know, even West Side. West Side, niggas, be like, you ain't from over here. It's, but, it's you know? interesting
0: because once you do get it, an experience that is outside of, the, of, of what everyone else is doing, you become this like oddball yeah and people can't place it then cannot place it
1: could not figure me out for anything except dance like they knew that about me dancer girl dancer girl so i rocked with that and i'm like that's okay with me if it's gonna get me out of this if it's gonna get me away if it's gonna give me um a different lane to go down so that i'm not just like her who ended up pregnant at 14 or her who ended up pregnant at 16 or him who ended up dead at 13
0: well, so I'm, I'm what, out. What way did it take you? I mean, so you you have this high school experience that is different from your peers in the neighborhood, but yes. then also obviously different from your peers in the school. Yes. Um, what happens? What happens after high school?
1: So after high school, I was adamant about not wanting to go to college. I was so over writing papers. I was like, I'm not. I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And my parents, after having to come up with significant amount of money to get me out of the academy, because I had scholarships at first, but those last two years I did not. So they were, like, coming up with that money to make sure I graduated. They were like, cool, you don't want no more of our money? Great, figure it out. What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. So a couple of my buddies that also went to the academy, like family. Ryan Russ, shout you out, bro. I know you're in Forest Park still doing things, music teacher and all kinds. Um, and then Chris Robinson, who passed away a couple years ago, both went to the academy. And Chris and my family are just family. His dad and my dad were both in the higher evolution of music. So I grew up with Chris as like a, a cousin. You know wow. how when we black and we know each other, we, we family. So <laughs> he's always my cousin. This dude created a, a group called Sounds of Life after... And they graduated a year before me. And I threatened them. And if you ever put out a record and you go on tour and you don't hire me as your dancer, I'm going to show up at your show and blow your shit up. So they must have believed me. (laughs) (laughs) They started this group. sound convincing. Yeah. They started this group and they needed dancers. And I was the first one they called. So after straight after high school, I started What kind of music is Sounds of Life? Sounds of Life was R&B with a little bit of rap. Okay. They were great. They were really good. And they were writing their own songs. Chris was producing everything himself. Um, who was the label? It was called Copia Records back then. Okay. And uh, they are no longer in existence. But they they were a good little trio, little group. Brian was the rapper. Joel Robinson is Chris's little brother. He was a singer. And Chris was a songwriter and a singer. And they were incredible. Huh. So we were doing like short stints um, like Peoria festivals and and little little show for like the Taste and stuff like that. And I I was their dancer slash choreographer. And from there, it just kept snowballing. Like I would just meet another person and another person and another person.
0: And they would ask you what to
1: to either dance or choreograph. Right. So once it started, it just kind of didn't stop. And I went from Sounds of Life to to Avant. Y'all remember that? Yeah, dude? of course. Yeah. Myron Avant right yeah and he was from Cleveland but his manager Eric Payton was from Chicago and they needed dancers so we were in the basement coming up with choreography and I was dancing for him and his circuit was like the same as uh, Maya back then like I was always on shows with Maya I was always on shows with Black Eyed Peas pre Fergie thank God
0: when they were a better group
1: when they were so good When they were amazing yeah Um, always on shows with them then then it was crucial conflict and do or die and that was hilarious. So. Right.
0: What was that like? That's amazing. So, <laughs> okay. what, what year? What year did you link with them?
1: This was. I was nineteen. It was, so ninety six.
0: Yes. Ninety six. Oh, it, it was a good year. It was for a them. good that year. Like, yeah. Ninety six was. hilarious. Yeah, they were doing it. In they 96. were. And this yeah. was
1: a this was a still pole Pimpin' video. Wow. So to this day, if you pull that up, I am I am all through that oh, video. Okay. All right. And listen. I'm at the end. I'm all through Twister's verse soon as twister starts rapping it's just like they, me you, and twister they just keep cutting to twister and then me and then me and then twister uh,
0: hey what, what is your i want to get that story what is your uh, social so people could uh, oh, tag you absolutely. as they're uh, watching this youtube video
1: <laughs> i am at dance tange on everything okay. so at d-a-n-c-e-t-a-n-j Okay. Um on everything. Twitter, uh all of it, even fucking TikTok. So, how
0: are you? well, that which is an appropriate venue for you, I it guess, is. right? Um <laughs> given that you also fucking hang out with TikTok. like uh 12-year-olds. Yep. Yeah.
1: They call me TikTok famous now. I was like, am I? <laughs> I didn't realize.
0: Um so how did that happen? How did you link with Crucial Conflict and uh So
1: yeah, okay. So this is a, and this is important for Chicago dancers anybody that might be listening about the history and lineage of like how we used to rock in the 90s and early 2000s. This city was sewn up by Leila Garcia, a.k.a. Lady Soul, hey. and Larry Gerard Sims, who is now hairstylist to the stars. Those two had a production company called Nubian Soul, and they had Chicago locked down. If you needed dancers, staging, choreography, or anything, you went to them. And I met Lady Soul fresh out of high school at 18. I went to Club Tropicana. Wow. They were looking for dancers wow. to dance in the club all night. And I went there, and I couldn't salsa, bachata, cumbia none of it. And I came into the audition. She stood up and she taught me the basics real quick. I caught on really fast. And her first question was, "Where the hell you been all my life?" And I was like, "High school." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I kind of got dumped into their roster of of pool of dancers that they would pull from. And anytime somebody called and needed dancers, they would call me and tell me to come to the audition. And as long as I showed up, I was booked and hired. So I got that do or die video because of them eventually that's a big video by it far. was a big that's, video yeah, yes. and my dumb ass had no idea that there was real pimps and holes all up through this <laughs> video I thought everybody was acting that's how green I was Bishop Magic Don Juan tried to turn me out and turn me into a stripper wow because he thought I was super talented that's and true. I just thought he was a, um, an actor and until one of the grips was like Tangie well, stop talking to these yeah. motherfuckers and I was like what do you mean he was like stop talking to him and I was like, why? He was like, do you know who that is? I'm like, he in the video. It's the man <laughs> in the video. He was like, no, that's Bishop Magic Don Juan. Stop talking to him. Right. He's, like, he's, he's gonna, not acting. He's going to have you out here. Yeah. So then my my blinders lift up, and I look around the room, and all of a sudden, it hits me. Oh, she ain't got no clothes on. Oh, oh, oh. This is different. Why do they keep going outside to this trailer? So they were, like, literal pimps and hoes. They were chicks turning tricks outside of this video shoot. Like I just I'm a stupid ass. You got an education. Still po pimping. And I learned a whole lot that day. Sit down. Be quiet. Stop talking to these men with these outfits on. So that was fun. But it was a huge learning experience. Huge. I'm sure. So. uh, okay. So, well, that's interesting. But uh,
0: you stayed in the game.
1: You stayed in the game. Still po pimping. No. You know what? It wasn't them that was going to make me quit. If anybody would have made me quit, it would have been R. Kelly
0: oh wow Wait, what, what's that uh dead
1: ass so that yeah, what that was a hell of an experience again um auditioning uh he was putting out a new artist sparkle and sparkle was looking for dancers we auditioned i got it so i was sparkle's main one of her main dancers um for the majority of her career under him wow. and i learned all the wrong things like it just
0: did you did you see what we've come to know then so the or first Or did you experience time, it, I guess?
1: I didn't experience. I was too old. I didn't experience. Oh. it. I, by that time I was 20, 21, which is way too old for him. Wow. Um, you know, I had a thought in my brain. You know, I had thoughts of my own, so that's not interesting to him in any way. And I am a bit of a of a tomboy a little bit like where like I don't Unless I have somewhere to go, I don't flash out with clothes and all that. Unless I'm really going somewhere. So most of the time, if I'm working or I'm rehearsing, I'm in workout gear or stuff that I, you know, like I'm comfortable. I love my gym shoes. I love my sneakers. I love my hoodies. Like, that's how I roll. So the only time he was inappropriate with me is when there was a, a boat party that he had on the Odyssey and we all had to come. And, of course, I was dressed and I was not dressed like this. I was, I had on, I looked grown. And that was the first time he ever, like, made me feel, like, ill, gross. Like, he looked me up and down, and he was like, oh. And I was like, no. no. Like, no. this is, no, no, no. Let's not do that. No. Um, but before that, no. I never had any instance with him. But I do clearly remember <sighs> this poor child. So Shorty... It's Sparkle's niece. And um Shorty at the time was 14 years old and they had a group called for the cause for the cause was huge in Germany. And they were like a like a, a band, like a boy band. But there was two girls and two guys instead of it being all boys. So we this man used to make us do all sorts of weird shit. First of all, we could only rehearse at night because he doesn't work during the day. He sleeps all day. He goes and plays basketball from seven until about 10. Then he goes to Rock and Roll McDonald's and eats his food. And then he comes to the studio and he works until four or five o'clock in the morning. So we would be rehearsing every single day from about seven o'clock at night until two or three o'clock in the morning. Whenever he decided he wanted to come in and check to see what we were doing. One other thing that he required was for us to come watch him play basketball at hoops. So. We had to go watch him play ball. We're standing there watching, and Shorty is out there playing basketball, the only girl, with a whole bunch of guys. When it's over, we are now leaving to go to the studio to rehearse, and Shorty walks past us. Sparkle asked her, did she need a ride home? And she said, no, I'm going home with Rob. We all were like record scratch. Like We all were like, huh? And Sparkle looked at us and waved us off and was like, girl, please, that's her godfather. And I wow. still was like, okay.
0: And yeah, still, so yeah, yeah, we
1: left. Nobody said anything after that. Fast forward to years later, when Sparkle decides that she's going to be the one to out this whole thing, because please believe she's the one that knew where those tapes were. She's the ones that turned those tapes in. She sent them to Tribune and Sun Times. Hmm. Um, her reasons for doing so, I, I I can't really tell you or get into, um, but the notion that people didn't really know what was happening is dead. Right. It's bullshit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A lot of people,
0: I mean, even, even before it started to come out of the Tribune, I think if you were in the culture, you knew, you knew, you heard, it was kind of a joke, which is the sad thing about it. Right. It was like enough whispers, but it became like a thing where it's just like, Oh yeah, that's what he does. Like I remember hearing stories or knowing people who were like, yeah, he's just posted outside of Kenwood on the regular Mm -hmm. and just that was common knowledge. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Outside of there, um, his other pickup spot is is Rock and Roll McDonald's, which is super pedophilish. Like, you just end the, the Rock and Roll McDonald's waiting on chick's and then you tell them you're going to hook them up with music or help them with their career. Then they get in the car with you. They're super excited. You're R. Kelly. For whatever reason, they're attracted to you. They think you're cute. And then you talk them into doing whatever it is you right. want to do because he's a pretty gross dude. Like, especially when that tape first came out, I couldn't not watch it. I had to I had to watch it. I knew every girl on that video. Hmm. And Shorty was the last one and she was the one that was underage one of them was somebody that i I danced with and I felt so bad for her because she had no idea she was being taped the entire time and just like the level of what he needs to get himself off was gross um and then the last part of the video was her was shorty and she was fourteen and she wasn't being made to do anything she was she was literally fourteen years old and on that with him but it was disgusting to me to to yeah and you were her Godfather, yeah, like you yeah. you are her Godfather you were you were at the baptism, you are her Godfather, and this is where you took that relationship, and then for him to say, it wasn't him at first, and I had been in that house. This man only paid us I can count on this hand how many times I got paid from R Kelly, wow. and one of them, I think he thought he was doing us a favor. He invited us to the the firehouse, the house that he had that used to be a fire firehouse, and he had like redone the whole thing, so he shows us the whole crib mistake, because now that the video is out, I, I know that's your house. I was in there. You showed the Lincoln, me.
0: The Lincoln Park one? or no? yep. Yeah.
1: And it was like a log cabin yeah. kind of deal in the bottom. Yeah, He brought us in. He um, sits us down on the couch. These are all weird occurrences. His wife at the time, Drea, could not come downstairs without permission. Um, he gave her permission to come down. He brought, she brought down Joanne and the baby at the time. And then he sent her back upstairs. She is not allowed to answer the phone The door anything Without his consent so he gives All of us a Nike bag that I feel like Nike gave him so he Gave us all one and we're like that's nice I've Been working for you for four months I have no money Nothing and Then he gave us all $200 Except for Larry he gave Larry Five because Larry was the choreographer at the time So that was supposed to hold us and shut us up For a while after we had already been working Monday through Friday From seven until three o'clock in the morning $200 $200 and a Nike book bag.
0: Well that, that's wild that I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of uh ink and and time paid to do so we could, you know, but but you stayed you stayed in it even after after all of this.
1: I did I did that whole year and then the promise was we were going on tour. He was taking Sparkle out on the was it Rockefeller what was the name of his shit? Rock Rock it was something with a rock, but it wasn't Rockefeller. No. Yeah. Rockland Something. Whatever his record label was. Supposed to be that tour. So it was supposed to be her, him and this guy group that he had that he brought all the way from another state and made them come live in Chicago in a motel. And then he left them there and didn't pay the bill. Hmm. And the boys got put out. And then they came to the studio and was sleeping at the studio because he wouldn't pay for them to stay in the hotel anymore. And he also would not allow them to talk to anybody. So the only reason we got to talk to them is because he left and went somewhere and the boys came downstairs and then they let us know. They were like, yeah, we sometimes we just like want to come in here and say what's up to y'all. But we're not allowed to speak to none of the females in the building. Like we can't say nothing to y'all. I was like, what are you talking about? They're not allowed to speak. And I was like, "Okay." So after that year, we were supposed to go on tour. And then he canceled the tour on her with like no real reason as to why he was not going to take her on tour. I quit. I was like, I'm, I can't. I'm done. Yeah. He also didn't like my attitude. Because, like, after the $200 in the book bag, we went another four months with no money. And, like, my whole shit changed at that point. I was just, I don't, I'm just sitting in his face like, I don't give a fuck. And Sparkle was like, "Tangi, you really got to fix your face. Like, you don't look like you're happy to be here. I'm not happy right. to be here. Of course. I'm salty. Like, this dude sold me the be loyal thing. And if you're loyal, also, too, he didn't want us dancing for anybody else. So when I got that job, I was dancing for a public announcement, which was his old group.
0: Right. And yeah. They were
1: paying me religiously on time whenever we left, like, no issues with them whatsoever. And now I can't work for them if I'm going to work for you because you feel like I'm being disloyal to you. But you so stayed
0: in the industry. After I quit this.
1: them and stuck with his ass.
0: Right, but even Damn after man. even that after that experience with him, you stayed in the industry still.
1: I quit for a while and I started okay. teaching.
0: Oh, that okay. That's yeah. when I started teaching. That was okay. And wh- what was your first teaching experience? How'd you get that?
1: Um, first time I taught was at the YMCA on 63rd. Yeah. On the south side, and then after that, when I was done with him, um, I had a friend call me, and this was before. It was After School Matters. It was just Gallery 37. Yeah. And they had Sports 37, and they were trying to use dance as a sport. So can you use dance as a form of exercise? And if you can, we'll pay you $25 an hour to come work with these kids at said school. So I just had Alan. Shout out to my firstborn, King, who is almost 20 now. Wow. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) And and
0: is a giant. Is a giant. He is a good 6'3". Tall young man.
1: But he was a baby um, at the time. And so I took that job to to get some stability, to get some like, I'm like, okay, I can dance every day and still make money. And it's not this conundrum of a fuck shit ton of bullshit that I got to deal with from the music industry with these misogynistic ass men that don't want to pay you ever, that keep selling you this dream that if you love it, then you'll do it. You, If you love it, you'll do it. You don't need no money. Like, the money will come later. If you love it, here's $25. If you love it, here's 50 bucks. If you love it, I'll I'll feed you. Like, mm, I got real over that. Especially when you get to somebody like R. Kelly and he's beyond the I Believe You Can Fly stage. Like, you're paid, you're paid dude. You're paid. Like,
0: you have houses. You have houses. Yeah.
1: Like, they came in and painted the whole Looney Tunes. What was that movie? You Space Jam. It. Yes. Yeah. On his wall. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to pay your dancers. So that blew me. And I just felt like if this is what it's like when I get to that level, I don't want to do that yeah, shit. I don't want to le- do <laughs> yeah. that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do it. So I started teaching and then I found out that I had a whole different calling path. Yeah, for real. To be honest. Because
0: this has been then your life for decades. Honestly. Now. Yeah,
1: honestly. Because once I got with Gallery 37 and then it morphed into After School Matters, I worked for that company for 18 years. Yes. I oh, literally wow. just stopped working for them September Of 2018.
0: Yeah. And then how did you come to meet the Happiness Club?
1: Uh, That same year. So 2000 is when all of this happened. I had a kid come take a dance class for me, um, Lauren Sinkenberger. She was going to audition for the Happiness Club, and she needed help with her hip-hop dance so she can get into this group. So I helped her with the dance. She got into the group, and she was accepted. And a year later, they were getting rid of their choreographer, and they needed one. So her mother called me and was like, I think you should go to the Happiness Club and see about this job. And I went, and I learned some of the dances. I saw the kids. Like, first thing I thought when I walked in was like, Jesus, there's like 40 kids up here. And they're every different nationality, and they're all up here having fun, singing with each other. Like, this is cool. Like, this is pretty cool. So I got into it because there were so many kids there, and they all seemed to love each other. They all seemed to be supportive of one another. They all seemed like to be having such a good in the time. World, yes. right?
0: it's, it was. It, really it was is. that. Yeah.
1: So I kind of fell in love with that vibe, and then I just I I stuck around and I, I learned how to do that job. At first, it was just updating their choreography because they were still doing, they were still doing. <laughs> they were still doing old shit the Lindy like, hop yeah like
0: I, the jitterbug yeah
1: i don't even know man but i was like y'all got to step it up it's 2000 dude. Yeah, like y'all got to come on like step into this new generation with me so we started to slowly update the show with with the choreography and i did that for i think i took over in 2000 the the year you came is when they gave me artistic director oh wow that wow it was that long ago yeah i've been running it that long yeah because before me, it was a woman named Sasha Gerritsen. Um and then the woman who originated it, that started it, Gigi Farachi Harris. She got sick and couldn't run it anymore. Um, I mean, but once I met Mark and Maureen, it was a wrap. Like, so
0: what? What is what is the the now? I mean, now you've been in it a few decades. Like, yeah. what is what is the the mission of the Happiness Club? What you guys do so much.
1: We do, and I think I think ultimately, like now, what it is 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 sa- it's, it's, it's safe space, like the biggest thing for me is safe space for our young people, but for them to go through these awkward stages, because we're taking kids as young as seven and they're aging out at 21. So we're taking you through those real awkward adolescent phases. So when you're a grammar school kid going into high school and when you're a high school kid transitioning out of there, you need people who are going to listen to you. You need a place to like express yourself. You need a place to feel safe. You need a place outside of school that you can have genuine friends because your school friends can be shady and petty as hell. And, and not really for you, but sometimes when you find out of school friends in a different program, you can be more of yourself in that situation. So I'm most interested in encouraging these young people to become who it is that they really want to be yeah. and to not be afraid of that and, and to take what they have and hone that shit so that by the time they're done with high school, they can start working and and making a profit off of that art or, or whatever it is that they really want to do.
0: And you I do such a beautiful wait. job of that. You know? Yes, it, thank like, you. like the energy is kind of like it's it's in part conservatory mm-hmm. energy mixed with uh camp energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. like a camp, like if anyone's ever been to like day camp or overnight camp or like I used to go to basketball it's like basketball camp's different, but it's like it's just like you get so much love being in that room and yes. yet like the there's a real rigor and craft in the room too it is and and i like the different levels that in one moment you're able to see on stage or see in a class too right you have novices kids who like their thing isn't dance or music really yeah right it is a space where they're able to be seen and then you have kids who have gone on and will continue to go on to really change the landscape of culture in the city and beyond too which is so and you have all of them on the same stage doing you know a a choreographed movement
1: a choreographed movement or singing a song that means something to them or that means something to their generation or means something to these other kids that are listening to them because most kids listen to other kids they are influenced by their own generation or maybe somebody that's just a little bit older than them so getting young people to be okay with being smart was the first step or getting kids to be okay with the word happiness because they, they at first it was corny to them. Like, that's corny. I don't even want to be called the Happiness Club. Get over that shit, man. Like, the, A, this is the name of the group. And B, this is what we want to promote. Like, we want to see people be happier. Right. Why is it so cool to be depressed? Like, what are y'all on? Like, what? Why do you want to be sad all the goddamn time? <laughs> like, I don't get it. So promoting that and encouraging some some self-love within them has been majorly important and it's helped it's helped a lot of them realize who they are and now i'm i'm floored by a lot of these people like shout out kaina Castillo, who started out yeah as a as a shy awkward weirdo that did not sing at all to this powerhouse first generation latina like that is like she is standing in her own right all the time now today's her birthday too happy birthday oh yeah hey happy birthday girl i might not make it out tonight but whatever I'm gonna, I'm gonna, happy birthday I'm gonna text her um, gotta
0: well yeah you, you've done so much great work with, with so many uh, generations now of young people um, where's, where's the best place to not only uh, to, to get involved with the happiness club if people want or if people want more information about the happiness club and then also be in tune with all of the work that you do
1: so easy enough uh, our email the club Chicago at gmail.com you can also go to thehappinessclub.com. that's our website and you can find emails on there if you're interested. uh, That is a free nonprofit organization, arts and education program for kids in and around the city of Chicago. Uh, And our space right now, thanks to this wonderful man across from me, is at Young Chicago Authors. We are residency at YCA, so we are allowed to use this beautiful gallery space every Sunday um, whenever we're not performing. We are in there creating and Doing the damn thing. And we are proud of that because we do so much amazing work with YCA that we look forward to every year. So we're already like our schedules filled up so much because. Right. We get you heavily, heavily involved in the it's festival. It's time. I know, and of the it rubble. is louder than a bomb season. But so we, we
0: love having. I mean, we love working with y'all and you guys make all of our events so much better because of the spirit and energy and also art you bring they to, stay lit yeah they yeah.
1: stay lit they're like a drop in a bucket i'm like anytime you need your shit to turn up
0: yeah call the happiness club <laughs> insert happiness club if you want, like if you want if you want uh you know youthful joy and art in your space call the happiness club call it, us you will be very uh happy you did know. It. we
1: we turn up any any situation at all all we need is cash error
0: yeah, right, need. right, yeah, yeah, get get yourself All DJ Cashier, get, get the Happiness Club. And don't let it be You'll. Cash,
1: because they will turn out for her, and we love these spaces, so we're excited about crossing the street, we're super jazzed about the winter block party, because that's going to go crazy. Um, Ange 13 was like, so I heard you're at the block party, and I was like, yeah, she was like, so can Happiness Club dance for me, for wow. my song, so we wow. doing, we got it, we doing, we doing, we got it with wow. her, Okay, it's already done and choreographed. Um, shout out Lollapalooza We are constantly On the roster for Lala. We are already confirmed To do that again For Summer So We're just an organization That we're really trying To set these kids out And give them some Different um, opportunities that, that they normally Would not get And I gotta shout out Maureen Shulman For that too Because she uses yeah, sure. Her power for good And I often ask her Like why do you Still help this group Because her kids Were in the group And they, they've all They're grown Yeah. And her answer was Every time I think About quitting You find more amazing kids And then I I just want to help them, and I can't quit. So, I love her for that. <laughs> That's good. Well, I it, love it, you guys for the amount of space that you also give to young people in this city too. So,
0: well, we love you for the work you do, and it, it does not stop. I know your your work is 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 really tireless, and it uh, it's so good to see. And get to hear a little bit of your story and how you've evolved over these years. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just grateful for you. And, you know, we have so much love for you. And thank you for being in the corner store tonight.
1: I love it. And I'm so proud of you. This is really dope. Um, And it's a dope vibe. And I know um, nobody opens up like they will if they're talking to Kev. <laughs> like, Kev can get it out of you. He can get it out of you. And I really appreciate it. So, Chicago, if you're looking for us, you know, you can add Dance Tange anywhere. Um, and you can at THC Chicago underscore. You can find us. And yeah, happinessclub.com, hit us up. Let us know. Blue Rhythm also, Blue Rhythm Chicago at Gmail. If you're looking for the older element or somebody that's got a little bit more of a mature feel, if you got artists out there that need dancers or choreography, you have found your girl. So let me know.
0: Thank you, Danji Harper.
1: Anytime, babe.
0: Shout out our super producer DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.